Good morning. Will you open up with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4? Uh, we are going through a sermon series on character and uh, why character matters. And as we've gone through the series, we've really opened up uh, the window into 1 Peter's uh, letter and uh, taken a look at just a little bit of what uh, kind of character he has called these early Christians to be and what kind of character we can have as well. And so today we're going to talk about humility. Uh, so let's begin in prayer. Father, I am uh, very grateful to be here, and I'm humbled uh, to be able to share uh, your word uh, with so many here and uh, so many online. And, and Father, I know that, that your spirit moves in such a way, that your spirit moves in such a way to help us to understand clearly uh, what you're trying to communicate to us. And I pray that, that your spirit will do that this morning. Through your word, I pray that you'll speak boldly to our hearts. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, my son, uh, Eli, is uh, 13 years old. Uh, he was supposed to be helping out teaching, uh, so I was going to tell a story about you. But you're not teaching this morning, are you? So you get to be embarrassed in front of everybody. So praise God for that. Eli's always been, uh, been very chatty, to say the least. Uh, some of you remember uh, that Eli would come in here four or five years old, and he would just tell you everything he did wrong the whole week, and everything he, did, he would just talk your ear off. And especially in elementary school, he would, uh, he would go on and on about stories sometimes. And I remember there was this one time, he was about nine or ten years old, and we were in the car, and he was telling me a story about a, a book that he was reading, and he, he made this, this statement. He said, uh, there is a law in Washington State that you're not allowed to shoot Bigfoot. And I don't know if I was just annoyed because sometimes Eli doesn't stop, or I, I, maybe I was just having a bad day, but I just blurted out, Eli, come on, man. That's dumb. That's just a dumb statement to make. Why would, any, why would any human being make a law that it's illegal to shoot a fictional character? Is there a law in Florida that you can't shoot Mickey Mouse? I mean, Bigfoot doesn't exist. Why would grown adults prohibit the assassination of a fictional character? Bigfoot's a myth. There's no Bigfoot. Why would rational adults agree to such a dumb law? Let me ask you this morning. Why do you think I got mad? What do you think was driving the anger that caused me to snap at my then nine-year-old? Do you think he was right? Peter this morning begins with a warning. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, he says, The end of all things are near. Therefore, be alert, be of sober mind, so that you can pray. I don't know if you know this about the early disciples, but in that first century, it seemed as though the disciples lived their life to this kind of motto. 
that the end of all things are near, that Jesus will return soon, that we must be ready for when Jesus returns. It reminds me of the parable found in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said there that the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins who took their lamps to meet out with the bridegroom. Jesus tells us that five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones, they took their lamps, but they didn't take any oil with them. The wise, however, brought their lamps and they took oil in jars. In other words, five were clear-minded, sober, wise, self-controlled people. They didn't know how long the bridegroom would take. And the bridegroom in this story is the return of Jesus Because the end of all things are near, and we must be sober-minded. We must be self-controlled. And Peter was saying that we need to use that kind of wisdom to frame our minds and expect Jesus at any uh, any minute. Now, you may be wondering, what does that look like on a practical level? As you should, being clear-minded, being sober-minded, being, uh, being self-controlled looks different in every circumstance, right? And we all try to do our best, but what does that mean on a practical level? And that's why I think Peter goes on in verse 8, and he says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. He says to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you, he says, should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. And Peter gives us three practical ways right here, doesn't he? Love, hospitality, and service. But did you notice that each and every way had its little caveat? Caveat. Right? He says, to love because it covers a multitude of sins. He says to do hospitality without grumbling. He says to serve how? as good stewards of what God has given you. Start with love. He says it covers a multitude of sins. Whose sins? Whom's sins? I don't know how to say that. I think within the context, it means that those who sin against you. I mean, look, look around. Think about it. We are different people here this morning, aren't we? We have different personalities. We have different traits. My wife can attest that if you spend any amount of time with me, I'm probably going to offend you at some point. I'm sorry for that. I'm just kind of a jerk sometimes. And sometimes you're a jerk. Yeah. But what do we do? We love. Because love covers the multitude 
of sins. And whenever you get a gathering of different people, people are going to argue, people are going to fight, people are going to offend one another. But we've got to love and forgive. And that takes humility, doesn't it? It takes humility to forgive. And look at hospitality. Peter says, without grumbling, because let's be honest, it's not always fun to be hospitable. It's incredibly fun to be hospitable with people you like, but then when you have to invite your preacher over, right? To do it without grumbling. That takes humility, right? What about service? Service is the ultimate test of humility. But remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he looked around and he noticed that no one had washed their feet. Here they are sitting at a dinner table and no one's washed their feet. And so Jesus takes on the true nature of a servant and he washes his disciples' feet. It takes hum humility. So here we are driven by Paul, or Peter, we're driven by Peter that because the end of all things are near, that self-control, sober-minded, it means to humbly love, to humbly be hospitable, to humbly serve. Check, check, check. You got your three-point sermon. Amen. Altar call is on. I still have two pages, all right? Beha behave yourself now, Jim. Now, as we approach the day that Jesus comes back, we should be humble to one another, but Peter doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 11 to say, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, the power forever, ever. Amen. Being humble is not just how we interact with one another, but being humble is also our attitude towards God. I read this as a good outline for humility. Humility is recognizing your own potential, your own ability, and also the ability and potential in others, and recognizing the source for that potential and that ability. Some of you may have heard of the baseball great Ralph Kiner. He played for the Pittsburgh Pirates from 1946 to 1952. He led the National League in home runs in each of those years. And in 1952, it's reported that he went to the then Pirates general manager, Branch Rickey, and asked for a raise. Kiner uh, pointed out, I led the league in home runs this year. And it's reported that Ricky looked at him and responded, well, what place did the Pirates finish last year? Kiner acknowledged, well, we finished last. 
And Ricky famously said, we finished last with you, and we can finish last without you. (laughs) He then traded Kiner that year to the Chicago Cubs. Humility, right? Humility is about recognizing the source. Recognizing the source by which we serve and love one another and we offer hospitality. The Holman's Bible Dictionary defines humility as the personal quality of being free from pride and having an accurate estimate of one's own worth. Have an accurate estimate of one's own worth. You know, Eli, I I think that might have been my problem that day. I think I was mad at him because he was acting like he knew more than me. And ironically, I was acting like I knew more than him. And that didn't end well because I Googled it, and Washington prohibits you from shooting Bigfoot. And that, my friends, is something that we can learn about pride. It forces us sometimes to be humble. You remember there was a time and occasion where Jesus had to humble his disciples. You can read it in Luke chapter 22. It says that a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the the greatest. And, And before we move on, let me set that mood, set that scene for you. This is the night Jesus would be betrayed. At this point in the dinner, it's quite possible that no one's even washed the feet yet. And they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus said to them, the Gentiles, the kings of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that, he says. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules like the one who serves. And who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But, listen to what Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. And here these disciples are arguing about who is going to be the greatest. Can you even imagine Jesus points out that at a dinner party, there are those who are served and there are those who recline. And those who recline never serve. It's culturally unacceptable. We see it even today that those who recline don't serve. It's those who serve. Can you imagine going to a dinner party? Somebody invites you over to their home. And the host says to you, all right, it's time for you to do dishes. I'm not sure I would go. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is different. It's different. William Beebe was a world-renowned explorer. 
a friend of Teddy Roosevelt. And after uh, Teddy having him over one evening, they exchanged conversation all evening long. Bibi recalls that Roosevelt invited him to gaze at the stars with him. And, and so Roosevelt is out there pointing out the great square of Pegasus. And he said, that is the spiral galaxy in Andromeda. It's a, it is as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxy, and it consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. He paused, and he said, now, I think I'm small enough. Let's go to bed. True humility is not thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Imagine what our community would look like if we took these words of Peter seriously. That the end is near. Jesus could come back, and I pray he comes back soon. Let's love humbly. Let's show hospitality without grumbling. Let's serve with humble hearts, acknowledging God as our ultimate source. I can't think of a better way for us to practice this kind of humility as we gather around the table today. You see, we gather as equals. We take the bread, we take the cup, and we do so as equals, recognizing the humble sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. As we sing this next song, I want to invite you to go to one of these tables in the corners over here and grab a cup and, and, the, and the bread and hold. Jeff Womble's going to come up and give us more instructions, but I I think it might be a time for each one of us to humbly recognize the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and allow that to transform us to be humble people. Let's pray. Father God, I am truly humbled as I think about the sacrifice that your son made on the cross. I ask, Lord, that your spirit of transformation will continue to change each one of our hearts to be more like you, to be more humble, to love, to serve, to show hospitality. Father, I know that we can do so through your power. And so this morning as we, uh, as we partake of this Lord's Supper, I pray that you will meet us here. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.